Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today we're going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart right now, which is how to find the strength to keep going when everything seems impossible. When life and endo are just throwing problem after problem in your face, how do you find the strength and the willpower and the determination to keep going and to do everything that you need to do when you really just want to curl up under the covers with your kitty cat or dogs, I'll, okay, I'll, fair. I'll allow, <laughs> or turtle. Aw, <laughs> that's really cute. When you really just want to curl up under the covers and, and not come out, because that's how I'm feeling right now. And as all of you know, living with endo can create a lot of situations that are less than desirable. I mean, the challenges that are faced daily can range anywhere from incredible pain to exhaustion because you're not sleeping to just general discomfort or really like just anything can happen on a day-to-day basis. Literally anything. Anything (laughs) can happen. (laughs) Surprise. This random thing that's never happened before is all of a sudden happening today. Yeah, that's totally normal. Surprise. Pain in your nostril. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had knee pain for like a whole week once. Like, why? I've had no knee injury. It's the inflammation, Brittany, (laughs) the inflammation. Oh, I know. So all those situations, I mean, they can really wear you down because this illness is chronic. It doesn't go away. It stays with you. It flares up. And when you're dealing with those challenges every day that just keep reoccurring, it can really cause you to struggle and cause you to be really exhausted both mentally and physically. And as much as we love interacting with you and hearing about your struggles, we just want to remind you that we're not mental health professionals. So if you are really struggling and you need somebody to talk to and you're feeling really isolated or alone and like you're considering that you can't really continue with the daily challenges of endo, we really encourage you to talk to a professional because we're not professionals. As much as we wish we were, we can't help you with the mental health portion. As professional as we sound. (laughs) So we just really encourage you, if you're struggling, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with struggling, especially with a chronic illness. But reach out to a professional mental health expert if you're struggling really, really hard. So in a minute, I'm going to tell you about something I'm struggling with right now, and I am having a really hard time. Right now, all these things are going on that I did not imagine were going to be going on. And as you know, I took me 16 years to be diagnosed with endometriosis, and I had two surgeries last year, and the outcome was really good. 
Although I lost my ovary, they were able to remove like 95% of the endometriosis and they were able to remove it from my bowel, which was adhered to my pelvic back wall. There was a kink in it. And so, yeah, life has been getting, was getting easier and I've been having much less pain and much less inflammation. And I'm just so pleased with the outcome of the surgeries. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) As with all endo. There is always surprises. Yeah, you fix one thing and you break another. (laughs) That's what I learned. It broke itself. You didn't break it. (laughs) Your body was like, oh, we don't have this giant ball of inflammation, but we're bored. Let us have something else. (laughs) We will make something else to to have fun with. Yeah, that's what that was. You should have, you know, done like prayers and knocked on wood, throwing salt over your shoulder, like all those superstitions. You, you didn't go down the list and do them all, Oh, my right? God. In the hospital, I walked <laughs> under a ladder. That's why. That that literally gave you this. Yeah, <laughs> They had this why. ladder on the way to the bathroom. The nurse yep. was like, are you going to make it? You I probably crossed a black cat. You probably IV. broken a mirror. There's like plenty of things. that you, this. Yeah, you did this to yourself, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I brought this on myself. <laughs> your luck has run out. So out of the blue, literally out of the blue, I am having a kind of, quote-unquote, reaction to a lot of different foods. And so basically, it's swelling in my face and hives, and I'm getting these headaches and digestive distress. And I've been going to the doctor. I've already been to four doctors. This gives me, like, flashbacks of endo. <laughs> I was like, wow, and- this feels like... <laughs> Feels like the past 16 years all over again. <laughs> Please, Lord, don't make it take 16 oh, years to Lord. figure out what's wrong. <laughs> and so it's clear that I have a, a histamine intolerance, which is making my life a nightmare. And it might imply that I have this thing called mast cell activation syndrome, which is just another like incurable, hard to diagnose illness. This tells you a lot about Amy. She is. A self-important overachiever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Self-important overachiever. Because not only can she, you know, just get a disease, she has to get the hardest, weirdest, most professional needed anything. (laughs) She's a very hard worker. So, you know, her body's be like, all right, I got to give you something to do. I got to give you something to figure out. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's bored. Okay. So one, a trigger of mast cell and histamine tolerance is a change in hormones. So Often it can be triggered. why. <laughs> yeah. So but it's triggered by like estrogen dominance. Okay. So my hormones definitely changed since the surgery because my period has been coming every 21 days, which I thought mm. was going to, which is kind of normal after excision. That's what my doctor told me. That may not be normal for you. Okay. <laughs> so that this is not medical advice. It's something my doctor told me. But now it's been how many months since my surgery? Six or mm-hmm. something. So long enough just, that it should have regulated yeah, itself. Yeah, long enough it should have like evened out. So definitely my hormones have changed. And apparently hormone changes is a trigger for histamine intolerance and or mast cell activation syndrome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fix one thing. Break another. Break another. <laughs> I just can't. It's like some people collect stamps and some people collect, I don't know. Chronic illnesses. <laughs> rare butterflies, yeah. you know, and some people collect Bookmarks. I don't know what people collect now. You gotta get a different hobby. <laughs> I apparently collect hard to diagnose incurable illnesses. Oh, and I don't like it. Cute, cute hobby. Oh, I can't wait. What's the next one I'm gonna get? Oh, yeah, three's a charm, Brittany. You Where's get, the wood? Where? Get at least three. There's some wood in here? Knock on something. <laughs> so I think it'd be helpful if Amy explains a little bit about what mast cell is and what that means. 
Okay, the short version is mast with a T cells, M-A-S-T cells, are cells. I really should have put a definition in front of me, but I, so I'm just going to wing it because I'm still learning about it. But it's basically your mast cells release histamine and their immune cells. And the one website, which I was reading, it was like, basically, it's when your mast cells start to act inappropriately. So they have like inappropriate reactions to. Sorry. I'm like, isn't that like your body's life story? <laughs> Like parts of you that act inappropriately. Isn't that like what every part of your body does? <laughs> I told you it's my thing. <laughs> like basically you had some uterine-like tissue that acted inappropriately and it just did whatever it wanted. You know what? It was the bad crowd. Your <laughs> uterine-like tissue was the bad kids at school. You know how like, you know, your parents would be like, mm, don't hang out with the wrong crowd your bowels, your uterus, everything. They're the wrong crowd. They're the bullies. I should have told my, I don't know why I wasn't telling my mast cells all along for 16 years. You like, let them influence them. Like, hey, little guy, there's, I don't know how many. Lots I, of them. We'll just go with thousands. And just like thousands of them. I'm like, hello, little mast cell number one. Hello, little mast number two. Hello, little mast number 999. Don't hello. hang out with uterine-like tissue, bladder or bowel. Don't go near them. <laughs> You let them influence them, and look what you've done. They've got a convertible, and there's some beer cans They're in the smoking. back. <laughs> you let them hang out with the cool kids who are not so cool because they're mean to the host. You shouldn't have let them hang out with the wrong crowd. Well, they were influenced. Now it's all inappropriate in there. <laughs> no, but it is inappropriate because everything causes a reaction. I mean, I thought I, thought I had a lot of triggers with endo. It was like, don't drink cold water. Don't take vitamins on an empty stomach. Don't have starchy foods like potatoes. Literally, there were so many things that caused a reaction. And now with this, I'm like, I can't right now. Everything, soap, toothpaste, nail polish, makeup, foods, like all these foods that are high in histamine, spinach and tomatoes and sardines and meat and leftovers, eating leftovers. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to buy Amy a giant bubble. I feel like a little She's going to live in a bubble and she's going to eat air. Yes. Oh my so yes. you're going to live off of air alone. I can't right now. You're going to be an airitarian. I just can't right now. I can't. Now you're supposed to cook your food fresh every single day. Ooh, I don't have time for that. Who has time for that? Doesn't have a personal oh chef. Dear Lord. Bless Please. me with a personal chef. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is a personal chef. Why do I never get what I want? They don't even have to be great. They just got to be there <laughs> able to cook. They just got to show up. <laughs> I'll give them all the ingredients. And then I love the part about no soaps, no makeup, no nail polish. My toenails are so ugly looking. Even like cut and buff them. But there's no polish on them. <laughs> they look bizarre. They should be blue. That is the color of my toenails for years. The color of my toenails is blue. Not whatever color they are now. I think, I think clear. blue is the unnatural one and nail colored is the normal one. Well, I dislike it. It makes me look like a man feet. Your feet do not look like man feet. I know. Once at the beach, this guy came up to me and he was like, your feet are really slender. I was like, like oh. sunbathing with my eyes closed in my bikini. Creepy. Like, why are, why you? are men like this? <laughs> why are you talking? Nobody invited your commentary, bro. Get why out of here. Why are you talking to me? He like, so he like came over and was like, excuse me. Your feet are so beautiful. <laughs> It's like, ah, leave me alone. Men are creepy. But now I'd be like, can you come and fix my toenails so that they look beautiful without polish on, please? I'll let you look at my feet, you creep. And no shampoos, no deodorants, no soaps. Laundry detergent. 
That day I went home and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed with my cat in my arms. She was like, I want to be fed. I was like, you're just going to sit here with me. You're my cuddle and you're cleaning up my tears. Just <laughs> wiping your tears with her tail and her little ears and so, using her little paw. Like, Mom, let me go. <laughs> She's like, stop wiping your tears with my tail. I was like, that's what tails are for. <laughs> There's no other reason for them. <laughs> it's been really hard and... I literally, I feel like a zombie and I haven't, I just haven't felt this way in a, in a long time. Like when I was younger and in the first years I was dealing with endo, I, I felt really depressed and it was really hard. It was really hard to adjust to all these changes and getting used to, I mean, do you ever get used to, but having all the flares and the trigger and the insomnia and in the nights because you wake up in pain and the debilitating cramps and there was a huge years of adjustment period. and. I was really depressed during that time and I've been feeling the same way, just so exhausted and but like mentally exhausted and lifeless and people in the hall and work, they're like, oh, hey, how are you? And like, good. But I just want to scream like, I feel like I'm dying inside. Like I, I, I just I feel like I'm falling apart and I and I have to put myself back together. And I just feel like right now, like, I I don't know how. Like, I, I will, but I just, how? This isn't the first time that you've dealt with, uh, you know, trying to tackle and understand and figure out an insurmountable and really extreme chronic illness. So let's talk a little bit about what Go back in time a little bit Ooh. to the start of your. I don't want to go back in time, Rudy. No, that, we're just going that mentally. Amy was a mess. Just mentally, not physically. That Amy was a chronic pain. All <laughs> we the like time. this, Amy. I don't want to go back. But we're just gonna look at like you know what were some of the steps that you took because this challenge is a challenge now, but you also had a challenge then and every day. Let's be honest, it's endo. But we can kind of look at breaking down how you tackled those challenges and see if we can apply that to this challenge we have now. Practical Ooh. learning in a podcast. Oh, my. <laughs> She's put me on the spot here. I know. Well, you know, it's funny. Two things come to mind. One is I remember because everything some years ago was just so hard for me and so much chronic pain. And I remember had the same feeling of just not wanting to just not wanting to get up. Like I remember one time I was walking home. So I used to live in Japan. I would walk to the train and then I would get on the train. And then I would walk home from work. And I remember just walking to the train station, leaving work. And I literally was like, Amy, one foot in front of the other. Like, I literally felt so mentally exhausted that I was fighting the urge to lay down on the sidewalk and not get up, which would have been really... Safety rules <laughs> dictate you should not lay down on the sidewalk. Which would up. have really made a scene there in Japan. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. like, are you okay? I'd be like, just leave me alone. They would alone. just avoid I'm, you with a wide berth. I think I was drunk. <laughs> just leave me alone. I'm depressed. But I, I remember these moments. These where I just fought these urges to just like, it just it's it can be so hard to just to just keep going sometimes. And what comes to my mind is I began thinking about these books that I had read. I love books because Brittany and I are both really avid readers and books, they really have the power to like deeply, 
to deeply reach your soul. They stay with you for a very long time. Yeah, because you read them and you're and you're like using your imagination and you're reading other people's words. Yeah, it becomes and, a part of your own mind. Yeah. And there are these a couple of books, and I'm gonna link them in the show notes, but I am sure that these books save my life. I've talked in the past about how I had a moment where I thought about ending my life because I was in very serious chronic pain all the time in my early 20s. And I remember laying there and these books came to my mind. Books like Man's Search for Meaning, The Four Agreements, The Power of Now. In the book, The Four Agreements, one of the things I talk about is how Like you live in hell or you live in heaven, but it's not the idea of the future. It's the idea of right now. Like right now you can live in hell or right now you can live in heaven. I was like, I'm living in hell. Like I'm actually truly living in this painful, chronically painful, chronically exhausted hell. And all these books are about using your thoughts, mind, and attitude to free yourself from your suffering and free yourself from the, the situation that you're in. And Man's Search for Meaning is a book where he he was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. So these books, like they have a lot of power and a lot of wisdom and they're written by they're written by wise people. And like Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, like he's seen things, you know? So real, real bad things. Yeah. He's, yeah. And so I don't know, these these books saved my life. And I'm just adding more and more books to my repertoire. <laughs> yeah, just more and more books are are helping me get through these mm-hmm. hard... They really do come to you in moments. Lines from the books and thoughts and different concepts. They do come to you when you read them, they adapt into part of your thinking. So the book does help to formulate how you think or respond to another challenge or situation. Well, and that's what I love because they plant these ideas that Mm -hmm. I never would have thought of and these ideas that like I can overcome this and I can get through this. And and if I learn these techniques, I can be free from my suffering. That is like a really powerful promise. And then over the years, I've been trying to cultivate that like through practice. Yeah, it's definitely not immediate. (laughs) That's for sure. But Like we've talked about previously, cultivating your thought patterns can really make a big difference in how you see being in heaven or being in hell. So about a year ago, I bought this book called Full Catastrophe Living. I love that title. By John Kabat-Zinn, who is like internationally known for his techniques in, in mindfulness and stress reduction. And the book is 600 page guide to coping with illness or stress or grief. And yeah, it's funny what you said about the title because that title, I was really drawn to that title, like full catastrophe living. My life is a catastrophe. (laughs) No, but and that was the, and and that like jokes aside, that's what the book is for. Like when everything, this gets so bad and everything hits the fan and you're trying to cope with chronic illness and the stress that comes with it. And just every day it's like someone's punching in your face and you're losing teeth. But then you have to, I don't know, eat something that requires teeth like meat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard. <laughs> you must eat it. Your life depends on it. But you have no teeth. <laughs> in the preface of the book, he's like his editor told him, wow, your title is really going to turn people off. And he said he just kept like he had thought of different titles and he named some. And they're really like airy fairy, like help yourself through mindfulness. That wasn't one, but that's something like that. Like help yourself through mindfulness, something similar. And he's like, no, I just felt he felt so attracted to this full catastrophe living. And that just 
sums the book up. Like, how do you live when everything is a catastrophe? Right? Like, how do you live when everything just keeps going wrong and keeps going wrong? So after I went home and sobbed, I have no idea if the neighbors heard me, but if they did, they were like, wow, that girl's in rough shape. I didn't start this book yet. I pulled the book off the shelf and I opened it and I started reading it. It's like, I need this book today, right now. The book recognizes how hard things are for you right now. But the book recognizes things are really, really hard. And he says in the first pages, if you're breathing, then just one thing, if that's the only thing that's going right for you, if everything is this total, ridiculous mess in your life, but one thing is going right is the fact that you're still breathing. And it's not in this condescending, like overly positive way, like, well, look at the bright side, you're alive. He's like, no, life is really, really hard right now. But the fact that you're breathing, the fact that you're alive, you're still here, that means that there's hope. And I think that type of hope is really important because reflecting on that and saying, okay, well, being still here and having hope means that the hope is that things will improve and that the way things look today could be in hell today, could be horrible today. There is hope that tomorrow it will look different. It may not be a, you know, 180, but there will be a difference. And that reflection of saying, okay, well, it's just breathing today, but maybe tomorrow it could be breathing and something else. And there's just this glimmer of hope for improving. And that's a really important hope to have. It's not a like mindless hope or like a waste of hope. It's a really motivating hope. And that's what the book is about. It's about showing you how to change your relationship with your life, which is exactly what I need right now. Because these last two weeks, ever since I found out about this mast cell activation syndrome, I have been hating, and I mean like really deeply hating everything. Like I've been hating endo. I've been hating my life. I've been hating all the people in the break room pulling out their food and eating whatever they want and not having endo or mast cell or all these problems, just trying to take care of myself. And I just keep getting problem after problem. I just I hate the twisted sense of humor of the universe. I hate the fact that I didn't knock on wood. I just I just oh, I just hate. I just have so much hate. Ah! Well, mm, let's pause for a second. Ah! Pause. Ah! Pause the rage. <clears throat> Reel it in. <sighs> okay. Do you hate Suki? My little baby kitty. Baby kitty. Do you hate Suki? No, but I have to admit I had a very short fuse this week because she was meowing like meow, meow. And normally I'm like, oh, you're cute. And I was thinking, I didn't do anything, but I was thinking, I want to kill you. I want to slap you. I want to punch you. But I did it. I'm not in there. She's no, so cute. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll cuddle you. There was no animal cruelty. I want to be clear. But normally I don't have those kinds of Thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. Yeah, yeah, but I had these because she was being really like aggressively meowing because she wanted a treat. She always does that when I'm cooking. I'm like, the food is mine. You don't eat this. <laughs> now that I have to cook it every day, you it's doubly not for you. <laughs> you don't like broccoli. You've already tried it a million times. You don't like it. So yeah, she was meowing. Like, meow, meow. And I literally, it was just like, I want to you. I want to kick you. But I didn't because she's my little baby. So no, I don't hate. I you don't, don't hate Suki. No, we need baby. Love her. Do you hate me? Do you want to kick me as well or? No. 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 <laughs> you don't hate me. Do you hate our endo family? Are our endo warriors listening and, and do in you the hate community? Them? And 
No, no. definitely no. You can you you endo family. Sometimes you're the only thing that keeps me going. I'm like, I just think of all of you endo warriors out there, and I'm and I become inspired. You don't hate everything. I hate everything with the exception. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you some purposeful hope. Suki okay? and Brittany and our endo family <laughs> and the sun, although apparently the sun is a trigger. So while I do love the sun, <laughs> the sun is also That's a why I said we need to keep you in like a dark closet. And but I need air. lights. It feels all dark and depressive right now. So you don't hate everything, just like most things. Well, and the thing is, I don't want to hate everything. Like, that's not the feeling that, that's a feeling that I'm feeling right now, but that's not what I want to feel. And that's why this book is, I don't know, it's just the book, it's, it's about helping you adjust and helping you accept the situation that you're thrown in. Because I think, I think these feelings are, are really natural. I think it's important to allow your feelings to come in. Like we said before that I don't want to have this positivity or this like, Oh, everything will be okay, sing song voice. Right now, I feel like I hate everything. And you know what? Like, that's okay. It's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to experience these feelings. It's okay to process these feelings. That's the important part is to process them and move through them. And it can be really frustrating when we feel like people around us, like, don't want us to experience those feelings. And most of the time, it's for a good reason. They don't want to see us in pain. They don't want to see us upset or hurting. But you need to really be with those feelings and embrace those feelings so that you can work through them. So allow yourself to feel angry. Allow yourself to feel upset because those are all valid feelings. You don't have to be happy all the time. But the important part is to not stay in those feelings forever. But it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to think, I just want to scream. Is it okay to kick the cat? No. No, and I never would that. It's okay to think, I just want to kick everything. But don't actually kick everything. Actually, full disclaimer, I was feeling so sad that I got another kitten. (laughs) She literally got another cat. She wanted to kick her other cat so bad that she got another one so she could kick them both. Like, I don't. (laughs) It's like my thing. Every time I get like a really bad, bad health diagnosis, like. She just gets a cat. (laughs) I just get a kitten. Now I have. She's a cat lady. Now I have. I know. I'm going to be like a cat lady that wears gloves so that they never touch anything (laughs) that has no makeup on, doesn't wear deodorant, and no show. My hair is going to be all frizzy. Next thing they'll be like, you're allergic to the straightening hour to be like, no, I'm not people. Okay, you will never take my straight hair away from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, the point is, is really like life really sucks sometimes. And the only feeling we can have sometimes is just the feeling that we're just surviving. And it's like, okay, just got to make it one more minute. You got to make it one more second. And the feeling you have could be depressed or angry or freaking out or anxiety and it's like survival mode. And it's okay to be in survival mode because you can't be happy when you're like, oh, hi, great. I have a debilitating chronic illness. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Of course, you're not going to be happy about that. And you don't have to be. We're not saying that being happy all the time is healthy because it's not. Processing your feelings is healthy, which means experiencing your feelings. I think it's hard because, like you said, a lot of our loved ones, they don't want to see us in pain. So you can start to open up to maybe a really close friend or family member or a partner. And then, I don't know, they just they say these blanket statements like, oh, well, everything will be okay, or... That sounds really hard. You're so strong. You get through everything. And It'll get better. 
it will get better. But right now, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it's gonna. feel like it's going to get mm-hmm. better. And that's why I keep so much to myself because all that you really need sometime is to open up and just have the person respond with compassion and Some deep, genuine. Yeah. And like really deeply caring. And I know that my, like I told my partner and he just like wanted to fix it. And I was like, you it can't first fix of all, it. anyone's going to fix it. It's going to be me by going to the doctor, my doctor, <laughs> by researching it, by figuring out the triggers, by wearing gloves all the time, you know, so I'm going to be the one to fix it. Not you. But, you know, he feels helpless. He feels powerless. He feels like he has to do something, has to say something. Like always do something. He saw me. I hadn't been sobbing that deeply since they were like, oh, you think your 12 centimeter mass is cancer. And we kicked you over to the oncologist. And I came home like a wreck. And that's how I came home the other day, like learning about this mass cell activation syndrome. And it hurts him. It hurts our it hurts our family. It hurts our our partners. It, It hurts people to see us so upset. And so I think a lot of times they don't know how to deal with that, their own feelings. And so they just, it'll be fine and you'll mm-hmm. figure it out. And I'm like, no, just sit, just hold me and hug me and say, oh my God, how, why does it all suck all the time? And just the things that we're thinking and, and validate mm-hmm. them and, and listen and be there and just be like, this is awful. This is awful. And yes, it will get better. And yes, I'll That's figure it out. That's not what I need to hear right now. But It's absolutely awful. Having endo is awful. Having this mast cell thing is awful. Like having debilitating pain is awful. Recognize that, people. (laughs) Recognize. Okay. I feel like especially with your partner, it's really helpful to like set the expectation. So like sometimes with my partner, I'll be like, I don't want to hear how we're going to fix the situation. I just want you to listen and then sympathize with me and tell me it's terrible. That's all I want. And then he's really, really good at doing it. So sometimes we need to set some, you know, some examples or standards for our family in order for them to kind of learn how we need to be related to in order to express how we're feeling and be listened to the way that we need it. Well, that's something Brittany do as well. (laughs) When we share news that could, you know, when I share with Brittany, like Brittany was instantly like, so what's our vibe with this? What's like, our call to action? What are what are we doing with this? Basically, Brittany was like, what are we feeling? And I was like... Do you like, need inspiration? Do you need comfort? Or do you need a plan of action? You tell me where you want to go with this. And, and then, so I was sobbing to her and I was like, I know it'll be better and I'm not going to whine forever, but I just need to whine for one day. And she was okay. like, all right, yes, you have your day. You have 24 hours to whine and then we're talking about this next step in this plan. And that's, I mean, we do. She'll be like, okay, I need to tell you this thing. I just want you to tell me that it sucks and it's horrible. I want you to listen to it. I'm like, all right. And I tell her it sucks and it's horrible and I listen to it. And sometimes she says, I'm going to tell you this thing and I need you to tell me what to do next. And then I'll do that. And developing that kind of like what you expect from the person can really help you to feel like you were listened to properly. So I do recommend that. And I think also developing that with yourself like, it's so important to listen to how you're feeling non-judgmentally mm-hmm. because I could have gone home and been like, oh, I'm, you know, I was sobbing and feeling so down. I was like, what am I doing? I, I say I'm a person who's going to accept things and be happy. And what's all that meditation for? Now you're, you're having making a- yourself feel worse. Yeah. So you have to. Ex- I think it's about accepting like this is how I'm feeling. In my case, like I went, I have a routine when I feel really down. I like to go into the closet. And which sounds kind of weird. It's a safe space. But I go into the closet because it's really small and just cozy and and it's dark. And I light a candle in there and I just sit in the closet and then I just feel whatever I need to feel. Like if I feel angry or if I feel sad or if I want to cry or if I want to beat my fists on the ground or 
I just feel whatever I feel. And that day I stayed in the closet for like five hours. When I came out, it was way past my bedtime. It was like midnight. But I came out when I was ready to be a little more determined. And like, I just, I got all those feelings out rather than shoving them down and and not feeling my sadness and not feeling this grief, I guess, for thinking that things were going to get easier and kind of having that ripped away from me and slapped in the face like, oh, things are still going to be hard. And just all these like hopes were shattered for me in that moment. And it's important to feel to feel your feelings. Yeah, because shoving them down means that they're just going to resurface later when you're not ready for them. So it's better to just be with them and process them. And then you can move on to the next stage. You don't have to feel the feeling forever. But when you do feel it, let yourself feel it. Yeah, I like what you said about processing your feelings, because I'm pretty sure I didn't do that for the first like 10 years of getting ill. I literally filled my time with anything except feeling feelings. So I would go out. I would watch a lot of movies. I would read books. I would talk on the phone. Like, I don't know. I just I listen to music and I'd sing along like I did anything to not feel my feelings. And that's and I was enraged for having endo for like 10 years. Like I it was really hard for me to like start to accept my situation and start to work towards feeling emotionally better about it. Um, and that's fair because feeling your feelings is painful. It hurts. I mean, yeah, being with your feelings is very painful because the reason you're avoiding them is because they're painful feelings. But the point of being with your feelings and then, like I said, processing them, processing your feelings means exploring why you feel like this, like the real root of not just I don't feel good. Like, why do you feel this way? I feel angry because I feel like it's unfair. That's the root of why you feel angry. So, so robbed of all these things yeah, because so of endo maybe really, quit them all. Yeah, really get to the root of why you feel the way you feel. And then ask yourself, like, do I want to feel this way? Like, yes, I want to feel this way right now because I'm still angry. Okay, that's, that's cool. That's fine. Do I want to feel this way forever is the next question. And then hopefully your answer is no. And... Once you answer that question, then your next question is, okay, well, then what can I do today, tomorrow, next week to move on from this feeling onto a different feeling? And that's all the process is. It's not difficult, but being with those feelings can be really hard because sometimes you have to own up to things that you don't want to own up to with yourself or you have to evaluate why you feel a way that you feel that maybe you feel shameful for feeling that way or embarrassed or frustrated for feeling that way. but. Only you can help you process those feelings or a mental health professional could also be very useful, but only you can answer those questions for yourself truthfully and honestly. So the process is really hard. It's really painful and it's not pretty, but the end result is really worth it. Well, and that day that you found me crying under my desk and then, you know, wiping away my tears with my cat that I wanted to kick. (laughs) No one tell anyone that I said that about the kicking the cat because. <laughs> Except everyone who's listening. Because <laughs> it makes me sound so awful. But... She would never. But we have, they're called intrusive thoughts and that's real. Sometimes you like look at your husband and you're like, I just for some reason want to punch him in the face. Or you look at your kid that you love so much, like for some reason I just want to slap him. Like they're called intrusive thoughts. It doesn't mean you ever would do that. So don't No, I back. would never do that. I love my little baby kitty. But that meow is high pitched, oh, right? Yeah. It's right, it's like, right, shrill, right in the brain. It's like, Mommy is having a really tough day. Mommy <laughs> having a break. Mommy cannot attend to you right now. She has to attend to herself. <laughs> we know. It's okay. And then I cried in the closet literally until midnight. I'd burned through like five tea lights. Uh, I visited there for like five hours. But it's just so calm in the dark, like with the candle. It's just, 
I don't know, the light. Also, I feel like the light is different. It makes you feel differently, like, in your mind. Well, what you're and simulating is going into a womb state. So ooh. you feel most protected because really? it's dark. You feel cushioned on all sides. And the very low light, you feel your safest and you're most in control. So Maybe that's why people sense. also like going under the covers when mm-hmm. they feel depressed. Mm-hmm. But I exited my safe space. I decided I am going to do what we endo warriors do best. I am going to find the resolve to get through this. I am going to empower myself. I'm going to research. I'm going to figure out my triggers. I'm going to have this courage and strength and determination that we have every single day to get through our challenges and to get through our struggles. And I'm going to get through this. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be a learning curve. And I'm probably going to have a lot of reactions and a lot of these face Weird swelling <laughs> and migraines. And, I'm, you know, I'm not going to ha- I'm going to have all these ups and downs like every day is not going to be a great day. And that's what I'm going to have to do. But I'm, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to keep going. I think the most amazing and incredible thing that Endo Warriors do is rise up to the challenge. <laughs> I mean, what a challenge is endometriosis. And I feel like that's the most incredible thing that we do. And every single challenge, whether it be a huge hurdle like pain or a small one, like all of a sudden I can't eat hard-boiled eggs a week before my period. Who knew? <laughs> all these little things that may happen, we meet those challenges. And right now, Amy is having another challenge. Happens to be of the same magnitude as 16 you know, years of that challenge. But the point is, is that when these challenges arise, we can either face them, which all of you do every single day, you face them, or we can run from them, but we can't run very far. Well, especially when you have endo and you're really fatigued. Yeah, really slow. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm trying to run. You gotta but... lay down for a pain break. <laughs> you're like, oh, three steps. Just, yeah, let me sit down for 10 seconds. But it's really true that rising to the challenge and hurtling over them and breaking through them is the most important part of taking control of our lives and don't have much control when you're having a flare or much control when all of a sudden you can't eat certain things that you used to be able to eat or do certain activities or exercises. But there are some things we can control. We can control our perspective and we can control processing our feelings and we can control research and learning and taking the next steps. And I think that rising to challenges is the hardest part, but it's the most rewarding. And there is not a single person that is listening right now that has not risen up to and overcome incredible challenges to be here today. Each one of you has been through so much. And honestly, when you see your scars, both mental and physical, and you think of the worst flares you've had or the moments when you were writhing in pain, literally trying to just survive from minute to minute, from minute to 15, 15 to a half an hour, just trying to make it through every second, wondering if it will ever end, just remember that this isn't the first time you've gotten through this. and you will get through it this time. And you will get through it every single time. And every time this challenge arises, you will break through the challenge. And every time that another challenge just pops up, surprise, out of nowhere, 
you'll be able to tackle that challenge like you've tackled every single challenge that comes with having endometriosis. You just have to do it one day at a time, one minute at a time, sometimes a second at a time. <laughs> My goodness, isn't Brittany so good at speaking inspiration? <laughs> oh, a lot of practice God. on me. <laughs> wow, Brittany, just wow. So well said and just so beautiful as usual. Beep, 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 beep. Hello from the future. Well, okay, actually the present day. Hello? Hello. Hello? Is it an alien? <laughs> no, it's a Britneyan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming from the future because everything you just heard was actually recorded one year ago in March 2019. What do you mean, Brittany? But now it's March 2020. I know, it's been a whole year. Why didn't we air the episode then? Well, we didn't air it at the time because our podcast had just started. It was a little baby podcast. Oh, a little baby podcast. And we had other really important topics that we wanted to air in a certain order and get to first. This little from the future message. This right now talking? This present. Ever since you said beep, 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 beep? <laughs> yes, everything okay. right now. The present So the talking. past like minute and a half? <laughs> yes. Okay. We're doing this just a week before we air the episode. So it's the future in terms of when we recorded it, but it's the present in terms of about when you're going to hear it. We're time travelers. <laughs> when we listened back to this episode in preparation for airing it, we listened together we with Brittany's doggy. Oh, and Amy's cats were not with us, but in spirit. <laughs> I'm very allergic, even though I love them. We noticed how easy it was to sense Amy's panic and the fear and everything she was dealing with and how overwhelmed she was with the situation. And because it's been about a year, we thought it would be really interesting to revisit that and see how Amy's feeling with her emotions right now. So we thought an update would be really interesting because that was a really raw and emotional time for us and especially for Amy as she was dealing with it. And now one year later, we've come pretty far. We're all about celebrating the improvements and celebrating the small things and the small victories. And we think this is a pretty big victory. So we wanted to share that moment with you. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the past year has been in relation to this episode. So if you could share a little bit about where you started with your emotions, where you went and where you are now. I went through a really deep depression for the four or five months between the onset of symptoms to realizing, okay, I need to take the leap and go with that functional medicine doctor and put this in the hands of someone else. And during that time, I was, I felt like there was no hope because it, it was all so confusing and I had no idea how long this was going to last. And so, you know, every single day I was coming home from work and I was putting on the soothing music and I was wrapping my arms around myself and I was rocking back and forth and I was sobbing and I was saying to myself out loud, you're going to get better. Things are going to get better. You are going to feel better. You are going to feel better. I would just rock back and forth and I would say that with my eyes closed while sobbing, while listening to the music. And it felt like I was in a trance and it was helpful. Like it was a way to soothe myself when I was feeling so lost, like, like I was just drowning. It's funny. I feel like during that time, it was just like a really good reminder of what 
I've been learning a lot of this time through having endometriosis about the importance of surrendering and letting go. It's just so hard to accept our lives for what they are. It's hard to accept our lives for exactly what they are because we want to change our lives. We want to change the things that are happening to us. We want to change our bodies. We want to change not having endometriosis, not having histamine, not having mast cell problems. Ironically, one of the things, like we, we've talked in these episodes about how stress can make our pain worse, stress can make our tension worse, like, but a huge, huge trigger for mast cell and for histamine is stress. And so I really, really had to learn how to try to control my stress. And so when I was lying in bed until three in the morning, super alert with insomnia because of the histamine, like I had to learn how to lay there calmly and not be in that whirlwind of, oh my God, well, now I can't sleep. Well, oh my God, the time is ticking by. I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow. How am I going to do my work? Is this going to affect my job? Like not going down all of those spirals and rabbit holes and not getting caught up in in these stories of how my illness is affecting my life and to just stop and and really just to surrender to to what was happening to me to my body to my life and and just trying to focus on my breath and focus on getting through the day and focus on putting one foot in front of the other i feel like i've spent the last year just like really trying to learn how to be okay without needing anything to change and learning how to, in spite of all those things that were happening, like how to find joy in my life and how to find meaning, even though my life and my health was literally falling apart before my eyes. Leave it to you to take a horrendous experience like this and turn it into an opportunity for personal growth. Ugh, Amy. I roll to death. <laughs> you would do something like that. I do think it's important to recognize that the reason you took it as an opportunity to practice personal growth is because either you did that and you learned how to accept and just be with what was, is either you did that or you were going to drown. There was no other option. And you chose the way to stay above the water. Well, I think it's important to say that as I talked about, I was going home and I was crying every day and I was self-soothing and, you know, rocking in a ball and feeling really depressed while at the same time really trying to accept the things exactly as they were. And so I think it's just it's important to point out that in the process of trying to surrender, in the process of trying to accept things as they are without needing things to change. We can also be grieving. We can also be crying every day. We can also be in a closet listening to music with our arms wrapped around ourselves saying, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. You know, some days with our illnesses, we, we're only surviving. And I will tell you, for those four to five months before I found the functional medicine doctor, I was literally surviving. All I was doing was surviving. But I think that having endometriosis has taught me to swim in the worst of storms. And so even though I was felt like I was drowning and even though I was just surviving, I was also swimming. 
And I think this is a quality that we have in all of us because endometriosis is so awful. And we have learned how to keep going and to keep surviving and to keep swimming in the worst of times, in times that make us depressed and angry and that make us feel at times like there's no hope. But we keep swimming and we keep going and we keep trying to practice letting go. Even if we don't realize we're doing it, I think we keep trying to, you know, we're trying to be okay. We're trying to be okay every single day with things exactly as they are. I know we've used the metaphor of swimming a lot in these past few minutes, but I think it's really relevant because in certain periods of our lives, we're going to be drowning. And in certain periods of our lives, we're just going to be treading water, just surviving, barely keeping our head above. And in some seasons, we're going to be swimming. And in some seasons, we'll get to be on the shore. I think it's really important to note that no one of those means you're failing because all you're doing is just surviving in those moments where you're drowning or treading water. And there's nothing wrong with being in those moments while we're aiming for the swimming and the sunbathing. (laughs) And I think that life is always going to have peaks and valleys. I think we all know that. There's seasons in our lives. There's good times. There's not so good times. But the quality that people with chronic illness have, specifically endo, to keep treading water even when there's something pulling you down is such an amazing quality to have and something that is unparalleled. And there are times when you are swimming and you go back to treading water and that's okay too. That doesn't mean you've regressed. That means you needed to take a moment to pause. But it's important to always keep the end goal in mind, which is our optimal feeling and how we can be in our optimal health, both mentally and emotionally. And we all want to stand on the shore together and not have to be drowning. But that's going to happen sometimes in our lives. And being prepared for that and knowing that that's not the only season of our lives that will ever happen is really important. There's always things that are going to be better. And there's always times that things may not get better, but we're not just all drowning all the time. There's ways that we can swim to the shore. I think ultimately what I really learned in this past year is that I'm going to be okay no matter what. I'm going to be okay when I'm swimming. I'm going to be okay when I'm sunbathing on the shore. I'm going to be okay when I'm treading water, and I'm going to be okay too when I'm drowning. Because life is this roller coaster and this whirlwind of emotions and of experiences and of suffering and of joy and of gratitude and of anger and of love and of despair. As a human being, we experience all of these things in our lifetime, and that's okay. And I think that's what I really took away from this whole year last year, this awful, terrible, terribly depressing, dark, hopeless year that I went through that I feel like I'm finally coming out of and I can finally see the shore where I was trapped in the storm where I had no idea which direction was up or down or left or right. I was underwater and I was just struggling to get to the top to get a breath of fresh air, let alone get to the shore, let alone get out of the water. It's very hard to live with chronic illness, but we're doing such a good job 
even on the days where we don't know which way is up or which way is down. We are all so incredibly, incredibly strong. And I think if last year taught me anything, it's that we all have this deep reservoir of strength inside of us that we can call on when we need it that we don't even know is there. And that is going to get us through the hardest of times. The Amy and Brittany of 2019 that you heard prior to this beep, beep, beep insert. We were talking about books that have gotten us through hard times. And I last year ended up writing, not in my moments of like crippling migraine and brain fog, but in the moments when all of that went away and then I had the racing heart and the histamine and the anxiety, the stimulation. (laughs) Yeah, when I was all (laughs) alert, like I had drank three cups of coffee. I really seriously sat down to write out my feelings and to write out reflections of what does it mean to accept endometriosis? What does it mean to accept the history and problems, the chronic illnesses that I live with? What does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to have strength and determination and resilience? In these writings, I really tried to explore how I could be okay with things exactly how they were, with how terrible and dark and at times really hopeless that they felt like, how could I be okay anyways? And so all of those writings, those reflections I put together, and I am on the brink of publishing them as a book. And it just really explores the topic of acceptance. It's not like a biography or my personal story. It's explorations of different topics like forgiveness and gratitude and surrender and finding meaning. And it has about 80 reflections. And then in a little more than half of them, I also included self-reflection prompts so that the reader can take what I've talked about and then go ahead and figure out and explore it for themselves and see how they can explore the concept of being okay with their life the way their life is without needing anything to change and ultimately getting that freedom, that freedom from our emotional suffering. So writing that book, I'm going to go ahead and say that writing that book saved me emotionally. It saved me from that dark, depressing hole of despair that I found myself in when these symptoms popped up. And I really hope that by publishing this book, it can maybe help guide a light to others with chronic illness, especially with endometriosis, who are going through a hard time and who want to change their relationship with their life and their illness. Being on this journey with Amy while watching her write her book has been a really great experience for me because it was a way for her to work out her feelings and to have some cathartic relief while having these beautiful writings that she's able to create. Amy is a real knack for imbuing her writings with a real sense of raw emotion and power. And When I read her writings after she'd created them, it was a really, really great way for me to understand how she was feeling and for me to also self-reflect and understand how she viewed her relationship with herself and how I could view my relationship with myself. 
And that's why this book is so unique. It's not just a collection of musings. It's a collection of writings in raw moments of incredible hope or incredible pain, as well as encouraging the reader to use these as opportunities to figure out how they view themselves and how this writing makes them feel or how they feel about a certain experience in their own lives. It's not just something to read, it's something to interact with and something to help you grow and evolve as a person. And some of these writings will make you cry and some of them will make you go, yes, in victory. And hopefully that when reading this book, you can feel like you've come alongside Amy and see the growth that she's had and the growth that we both hope that you have with your life. So the book is going to be published shortly. And when it is published, we will definitely be making an announcement about the book on the podcast and then also on our Instagram page. Now that present day us is done jumping in. Oh, we're done already. I know we're done already with the updates. All right. (laughs) So we're going to let past us finish the episode. So going back to us again from the original recording. Take it away past us. Beep, 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 beep. This whole community is amazing. And one of the best things, I will say, one of the best things about getting diagnosed with endometriosis has been finding this community, has been putting a name to this illness that I've had for 16 years and being able, because of that name, to find the endo community. I have never in my life met such a strong, incredible group of warriors. And I think about my endo family out there. I think about all of you suffering and in pain and just putting one foot in front of the other and just getting through your struggles. And then I realized that I'm not alone. And then I realized that I also have the strength that I see that you have. I want to thank you for listening today. I want to thank you for listening to my new problems that have come up and listening to how I've been feeling. And I want to thank you. Most importantly, I want to thank you for inspiring me. I want to thank you for helping me keep going. Even when I want to give up, your strength, it pushes me to keep walking forward one step at a time. Thank you for motivating me to keep rising up to my challenges. And we really hope that this podcast is helping you with your challenges too. So we would love if you wanted to reach out to us. We are on Instagram in 16 years of endo. And we're also on the website in 16 years. And I'll also put the names of the books that I mentioned But thank you so much for listening. As always, if you love the podcast, we'd love if you left us a review because it really helps other Endo Warriors find the show. Keep fighting your fights. We're always here cheering you on. Every time. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and know that we're here. We're thinking about you. We're here for you. We're rooting for you. Thanks for being part of our family. (laughs) Our endo family. I love love that. I love this term, the endo family, because it feels like, because we have this special bond together. And no one gets you like your family. 
So <laughs> that's the truth. Nobody gets endo like an endo family. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. 